Hello, welcome to Braveful, a podcast with and for achieving women. I'm your host, Amy Zeigert. I'm so excited to share with you stories of women who are brave and gutsy. This show is a weekly view into the hearts and minds of what has enabled these fabulous ladies to take a leap and go forward with bold ideas. So join me in an opportunity to listen, learn, and lean in, Braveful style. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me, Amy Zeigert, with Braveful, a podcast for achieving women. Today, we're going to be focusing on the achievements of Birdie. She is an intuitive artist, and she brings her magic and her soulful intuition to our discussion. And you know, when you've connected with someone, when you turn on the video to record, and the first thing you see are tulips, and tulips are my flower. They just bring back such great memories for me. And so I immediately felt comfortable, wanted to just explore what her gifts are. And so this is a, just a great conversation to get to know Birdie and to understand how her gifts are making a difference in the world. So thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I had connecting with her. And this is just part one of our discussion. We are actually going to do an intuitive reading on our next discussion with Birdie or Elizabeth. And um, you'll get to learn more about her gifts of what she brings um, to the world. So I'm so excited to share it with you. So take a listen. It's a little longer than normal, but when you connect with someone, you just don't want to hang up. You just want to keep talking. And we just had a great conversation. So um, love your feedback. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for being here and being so braveful. Tell me about what it is you're intuitive. I'm fascinated by, by this. I mean, you're going to have to explain it to me. Well, so the intuition is something that I was working with somebody, I guess I'd call him a coach. Uh, year, year, about a year and a half ago, I started working with him and he brought some guest people into the coursework and he brought this intuitive gal. And of course I went and researched her and she offered this um, intuition class and I took it and I was in this class thinking, oh my gosh, I have been so intuitive my whole life. And I grew up in a big family and I have shut it down over and over again. And where it came back to life was when I became a rolfer. Now I'm a certified advanced rolfer, which is a type of physical therapy. That's the best way to say it. It's a type of body work that addresses the body. It was started by a woman named Ida Rolf and in the thirties. And it is, oh, there's all sorts of things that have kind of tried to mimic it. But the beauty of what Ida said was, you know, our bodies are plastic and we can, we can heal them. And it's how we stand in gravity. It's how we, we live and work. So just like a plant, if you never rotated it, it would just grow towards the light. That's how we are. So you talk on the phone or you twist an ankle or you, you know, you constantly, you know, like hair cutters, the way they work or whatever you do, your body grows to support you. So as a rolfer, I was very talented, but I thought it was the rolfing. When I realized what it was, is like, it wasn't just the rolfing. It was the intuition that was coming through me in my hands. Okay. So why do you think it shut down? Because I think women, that is a gift that we have. And, and I think, curious to understand how you think it's shut down and what are you doing to nurture it? Okay. It's great. So, you know, as a small child, when you have an idea and you blurt it out and people poo-poo it over and over again, you, you learn to keep that part, that, that voice quiet. And like, I think everyone has intuition. I really do. And I think some people, yes, and I do believe everybody can develop it. I just don't think everybody wants to. And that's okay. Yep. I, I think, I think being intuitive has a lot of responsibility. Well, it does. And, and, and then there's that whole aspect of like, so in this course, I just went with it and 
I'm like, oh, this is fun. And she's like, okay. So she taught us how to do the readings and how to center. And, you know, I was doing the thing that I realized is that's what I was doing when I was rolfing. So rolfing was the first place where I gave myself permission to center and do the work. I mean, for instance, here's a story. I was working on a woman and I had worked on her a lot. And so she was, we were wrapping up the session. She was standing at my desk paying and her son and her daughter were there. And she says, well, I think I'd like to bring my son in. He'd like to have an appointment. And then I looked at her son and I said, oh my goodness. I said, what have you done right here? I said, what, what, I can't remember what side it was. I was like, what happened to your head or your neck? And the mom and the, and the sister just started laughing. And I said, I'm sorry, what's going on? And they're like, well, that's why we want him to come. He was riding his bike down the driveway and totally wiped out and slid for like 20 yards on his face. So I started having all this kind of thing happen. And I mean, I could tell you oodles of stories about that, but what I I realized in the midst of taking the intuition class was I had given myself permission to do it within the role thing. I didn't know how to take it outside into my life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, if you're helping, if you're helping someone center through your rolfing, I would think you probably are very centered. And I find getting center want to be one of the most difficult things to do for me. So how do you maintain that without doing your rolfing? Okay. So that's, so that's what happened. Not that you need to know all this. However, I'm going to just tell you, we moved from California to Oregon a couple of years ago. And when we arrived, I had every intention of opening my practice again, because I had a very busy and, and flourishing practice. And my husband said, well, you know, you don't really have to do it. And I said, but I want to. And he goes, well, I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> and he said, I don't like all the energy you bring into the house, like that you bring home. And um, I said, okay. He goes, paint, just do your painting. Cause I had been painting and I had started to sell, but I had never like said, okay, I'm going to do this as a business. And that's where I've arrived for you for, this is my brave full, like the things I'm learning through doing this as a business is so hard for me. Like, I don't want to say like, it's not like, it's not doable. It's the challenge emotionally. And, and so that's, yeah. And so, um, how do you bring the intuition? To, it's like trying to say that an enlightened person is enlightened all the time. I mean, you know, it's like, it isn't a challenge to be a hundred percent of anything. It's, it's being able to get there with better grace and ease, easier, faster. And, um, so I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, cause I just, you know, painting is such a talent to begin with, but then to bring your mind, your body, and your soul into that. Because that's really what I think intuition is. It it is being an intuitive. It's almost like you're outside of the norm, encompasses your mind, your body, your soul. So to take that and put it to paper through art, that's a gift. I mean, that has to be, that would be intimidating for me. Well, I wouldn't say that it's not intimidating for me. And if I, if I jump right into it, so in the last, I guess it was just right before COVID when I was really getting into this and the, and the woman had us do readings, like she taught us how to do this stuff, you know, the centering and, and she'd give us a name. And so herein lies the leap of faith for me as a rolfer, I would work on people with my hands and that was safe it was a safe place for me to have the intuition and to utilize it. Right. So then you step fast forward. I was like, I used to believe when people would say distance healings, I I just struggled with that. I'm like, I I mean, as a rolfer, I've got to put my hands on people. Right. And I was able to take that leap of faith and say, okay, I'm in this class. She gives me the name. I'm doing what she told me to do. And I started doing readings. Now she didn't, tell me exactly how to do the readings. She just said, this is how you center yourself. So I started delivering this stuff back to her and she's like, Birdie, she goes, the way that you get your stuff is just, it's so full of image. And I said, yeah, I know. And I, 
I did a painting from one. She goes, you did? She goes, you should do some more of that. So I've, I've begun, I haven't, you know, launched anything. I've done, you know, a half a dozen where I've done an intuition, intuitive reading. And then, and then after the reading, I can request, is this something that you're interested in having an art piece for? And, you know, some people say yes, some people say no. It's, I, I don't, I'm not attached to whether they do it or not, because actually it's quite hard. Yeah. So do you have any formal art training at all? I laugh, you know, when you write the bio for your website, like, you know, how many times do you write it before you finally like it? And I realized doing all this that it's like, I have spent a lifetime navigating back to the easel. So I painted as a child all the time. I actually have a Bachelor of Science in graphic design and photography. And I never really... That's different than painting, though. Well, it's very different. And what happened to me in that school at Cal Poly was, there's another connection. Cal Poly, I have two, a niece and a nephew that went there and um, my son almost went there. In San Luis? Yeah. San Luis Obispo? Yeah. It's a fabulous school. It's wonderful. Yes. However, it is a technical school. It really is. And at the time when I went, they were not accepting out of state. So it was a very insular California school. And it, it really bred the business aspect of graphic design. I mean, yes, we learned about color, but it was, for me, I felt like I never explored that deeper, I'm going to use the word intuitive, the deeper, where does the art come from? Like, how does it get from the brain out? You know, and this discussion could be done over and over and over again. Well, and your painting, so is that done from, I mean, are you looking at a, of a picture somewhere or is that just coming from your, your mind? Okay. So this particular painting is from a bunch of tulips that I just like two days ago threw out. And I am participating in a 30 day paint um, from daily life challenge. And that has been, that's a whole set of lessons for me in itself. It's like, I, I'm imploding, so to speak. It's showing me what I don't know. I'm like, oh, I'm so angry. It's like, I'm not producing things that I like, but that's okay. It's fine. Well, you're getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. So I think that's part of growing is you have to get out of your comfort zone to really um, grow a little bit more, a little bit you know, broader, taller, deeper, whatever. Um, you have to do that a little bit. But Looking at your painting, I, I would say you've been painting for years. Well, thank you. I When I was rolfing and when I was still single before I was married is when I started painting again. And it was, it was a balance to the rolfing for me that I adored. And then I, I carried it through, had kids and then, you know, left it for a while, then came back to it. And I love how it makes me feel. I feel like I turn off the world and I'm expansive. And then so counterbalance that with learning the intuitive work. If I jump back for just a second to that, what I was trying to describe to you about not being in person with somebody in this class, I was doing these readings and I was delivering them to my teacher. This is all done not by person. I'm I'm just giving it to her by email and all this stuff. She's like, well, okay, because there's a certain amount of validation. You need to know if which the messages that you're getting, are they accurate? Did they mean anything to these people? And I, I was getting confirmation over and over again that the messages were indeed accurate and representative of what was going on in somebody's life that I knew nothing about, but their first and last name. That's all they gave you was their first and last name. Not yeah. even a picture, not nope. even uh, nothing. Nothing. And so that's when I my curiosity was really piqued and I began to do more of this. And then comes the, it's not the easiest thing to share with people. I'm an intuitive. So I. it's very big that I put it on my website and I haven't figured out quite how to leverage sounds bad, but leverage it to get it going because I enjoy it. I love it. 
Well, and what's the driving force for someone to want to reach out to an intuitive? Well, if I look at my own life, I've always been interested in people that that do this, like, you know, oh, go fun, let's get our cards read or let's, you know, let's have a reading or something like that. And and there are, I think, especially nowadays with everything in COVID, and I, I do feel as if the world is really shifting and more accepting of this, you know, you don't have to be a hermit living on the side of a hill smoking something to, to have this. And it's, it's everywhere. And the more I look into it, the more it's, it's everywhere. So somebody wants to have a reading um, right now, locally, I've got my artwork down in a store. It's a retail store and I've got a free drawing. So that was there November and December and this month and every month I'm doing a drawing for a free reading. And yeah, I mean, the bucket's filling up and I'm and people are getting free readings. And if they wanted to have an art piece, they could. I'm about to deliver some of the readings uh, from November, the, that reading, and then the reading from December, I'm connecting with the gal. But um, I'd ask you, like, are you interested in having an intuitive reading? The challenge is, is when I tell people I'm doing this, even some of my closest friends have been like, oh, that's so cool. And then I'm like, can I do a reading for you? And it's like, what are you going to know about me that I don't know or that I don't want anybody to know? And I would think doing that with people that you know or family members, that potentially could open up a kimono that does not want to be opened. Right. Right. Well, I would say that the biggest, the big, biggest sort of didactic rule that I got from my class was you're never doing a reading without permission. I never do a reading without somebody saying, I'm, I, and I say, are you, are you giving me permission to do a reading? So I probably because of COVID and the timing of when I've learned how to do this, I will get a name. And I do the reading here and I have a method of, of writing notes. And when I get on a call with somebody and I can do a Zoom call, it really, I don't have to. I just get on a call and I, I, I center and I say, okay, this is what began to come up. And then I check in. I'm like, does this mean anything to you? Does that mean anything to you? And then that, I look at all my notes and I I begin to piece together a story. And I say, okay, so that would make sense of what this was when this came up. Does that mean anything to you? I mean, I've had things like, I shall remain nameless, a dear gal whose husband had passed and I don't really know her well. And she agreed to have me do a reading and, you know, a variety of things came up. But in the end, I said, I'm sorry, there's one thing that came up that I don't even know how to bring up because it's so out there. I don't even know what it means. I said, does a, does a down pillow, does a down blanket, does anything? And, and she started crying. And I said, well, what exactly does that mean? And she said, well, my husband had this down pillow when I met him, when we were just dating. And he used to tease me that I was jealous of the pillow because he had it until he passed away. Oh my gosh. So it's little things like that, that, I mean, it's confirmation, but it's exciting. It's fun. And so for me to deliver a message to her, which was more than just the pillow, like I felt like I was doing a service and that feels so good. It, it was reminding me of like how people would feel from the rolfing sessions. Wow. That gave me goosebumps. It did to me when I, when I, when I'm, I, cause I was like, okay, I know this is going to sound really weird. Like let's talk about a down pillow. And she started crying and I was like, okay. So how do you get centered? What, what is your process of getting centered to start this? Yeah. I'm curious as to how you do that. So there's a variety of ways to do it. And I've trying to develop my love of crystals. And I, and I don't want to poo-poo any of that, but I think it's been a big leap of faith for me to believe in the energetic qualities of everything. Like I always cognitively believed, but to really believe and allow the energies to come to me I have a couple of stones that I like to hold and I slow down. I, I, you know, I tune everything out. I breathe till I'm, I stop thinking. I, I, I do this breathing exercise and 
then there's sort of a process. I, I say the name and I breathe in and, and I, I try to get into a state and then I wait and I listen and let's go really deep. I, I have confirmation from my teacher and others that I actually am a medium. So I do make contact with people that have passed. Now, when that came up, I was like, okay, I'm not sure I really want to do this anymore. Like, I don't know what to do with that piece. Like, first thing was, oh my gosh, that's so weird. Then it was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And then it became, how do you advertise that? Because like, it's sort of like when you, you, when you take on a new sport or take on a new hobby and you're excited about it and you want to do it more. I'm like, like, how do you go out and tell your neighbors? Like I moved into a new neighbor neighborhood and like, and it's COVID and I don't know any, like, Hey, you want to have a reading? And do you have anybody that's dead in your past? I can take contact with, you know? And so there's this jumble of thoughts of like, how do you put that in the, um, neighborhood newsletter, you yeah, know? Yeah. Exactly. Put that on the text chain. <laughs> so, you know, I did, you know, my teacher was, was great. She goes, well, she goes, I want to tell you something. She goes, you're actually talking, you're, you're connecting with a deceased person. I'm like, okay. So that was sort of like an up-leveling of, okay, so how do I deal with that? I asked her like, so how am I supposed to know if the person that I'm like this person that I'm seeing is alive or dead. (laughs) No, I mean, this is like, this is real stuff. So she says, you know what I try to do is she said, I try to call in. Is there anybody over there that wants to come in that's passed? Let's do them first. I'm like, okay, roll call. She goes, it's kind of that way. Yeah. So there's some, you know, there's some humor to it, but I mean, it's, it's enriching. And when I'm doing it, I feel expansive. And when I keep using that word, Amy, what I really mean is, good Lord, you know, I have three kids. I'm, I'm probably over halfway through my life. You know, what does alignment mean for me? Alignment means for me is when I'm, I feel as if something I'm doing is expansive instead of contracted and closing in on me. And so when I make a decision and I feel that I'm like, oh, closing in, listen to that. Is there a different direction you can go that feels more expansive? And I realize how I realize how this lexicon is very vague for a lot of people and it's very unclear. It's not quite tangible. And that part is very hard for maybe others and, and for me to talk about it. So I love the art. I love the intuition. I love this like sort of new direction for my life in the past, you know. When bringing it all together. So I would think you creating art from something that is not tangible makes it tangible. So, you know, so to do a reading and say, okay, Amy, going to do a reading and this is the art that I can create from that. That is memorable. That is to me a gift from beyond almost, you know, it's so ironic when you mentioned the whole medium piece and, and this isn't about me, this is about you, but I mean, from a podcast perspective, but you know, my family lost eight people in less than two years. And so not all of it was planned. And and I just think to myself, God, if there was a way to bring all of that love that we, that is now floating on the other side of the world or the other side of heaven, wherever it might be, the universe, whatever it is, that to me is a priceless treasure. And, and I think, you know, people need to, to see your gift that you're giving to people again as a true gift. Um, yeah. Cause I I'm fascinated by it. I think um, to take someone's reading someone's, you know, you're expanding them. Um, and then to put it onto canvas, that is a gift. Well, thank you. That is a huge affirmation for, you know, what I have begun to do. You know, you asked a question a little bit earlier and I, I want to touch on it. You're like, well, where do you start? How do you do the art? When I was young and I, if I tap into what I felt back then and I did, I mean, it was, it was literally in my preschool report. It said, Beth spends an 
all of most of her time at the easel. And when I read that, because I didn't read that till I was much older, I was going through some files and I found this report that my mother had had and saved. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like to paint back then too. And then I was able to sort of tap into those feelings of, I felt free. I felt expansive. I felt like happy. And then like when I would Rolf, that's the same feeling. And then now I'm giving myself permission to do it on the canvas. But I went through this series as a child where being an artist wasn't really an acceptable thing. It wasn't really viable. So so that's why I ended up at graphic design school studying photography, because that was viable. I did that work for about eight years and I couldn't stand it. And, and, And not because I didn't like the photography, but honestly, I was shooting things for needlepoint magazines and medical equipment and headshots for, you know, companies. And it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't a lot of creativity. It was very sterile. And I'm so happy that I, I leaned in on my, my sort of my personal life, which had a lot of endurance athletics in it. And that's how I was led into the rolfing. I, I am intrigued by rolfing. I am going to have to do research on that. I, you know, one of my philosophies is listen, learn, and lean in. So as I'm listening to you, I'm learning that I have never heard of rolfing until this conversation. Well, she was a little old lady that was, I may get the story wrong, but you know, during World War II, she was a woman that was quite frankly, probably awarded the opportunity to go to, I think it was the in New York, I don't know which university, but it was, and she studied biochemistry. I mean, she was like, this is back, you know, 30s and 40s. Like, if you look into her, she was a magician and she was intuitive and and her legacy is so rich. And I've always loved that work. And I loved the education and the people that come to be educated as a rolfer. I mean, attorneys, doctors, priests, you know, just all walks of life have come in there to understand how to have better alignment within our physical body, which is comfort. I mean, that's how it's ease of movement, ease of life. So I, I, yeah, I would lean into that a little bit and just do some research. Um, if you're ever interested in getting Rolfing, go to rolf.org and there's a button somewhere in the pull downs called locate a Rolfer. And you can be a, a certified Rolfer, a certified advanced Rolfer, and then you can also have a movement certificate. Um, I have done all three and at this point in life, I'm not rolfing. So, uh, but it, it's always been dear to me. Wow. So, so I, I would say based upon what you're, you're now um, moving into, how do you want to get the word out of what you're doing? I mean, what's, what's your goal for 2021 to make this happen? Well, I think in COVID, I kind of went through a fire drill of, you know, looking at courses and how do I do this? And the Instagram, you know, I I started an Instagram account about a year ago after my website was built. And, and, you know, in eight months, I've had another website built. Like I've I've been just tweaking everything. And what I realized was, is I really have to get back to the painting and the artistic part of it. And so I am learning how to do the Instagram. I'm trying to learn how to batch the content, how to learn all that stuff to make it so that I'm freed up again to do what I need. And what I need to do is to continue to paint. And what's wonderful for me is I know that my work is either priceless or it's worthless. Why do you say that? Well, in photography, you know, oh gosh, I was like in my twenties. And, you know, at that time it was like, okay, well, fine. I'll give you a discount because everybody's asking for a discount. You know, and this is a long time ago, you know, it's 25, 30 years ago. People are like asking for a discount, you know? And then, then when I became a rolfer, I felt like I like, okay, I know that's not the way. And my rolfer looked at me and he said, look, what you're doing is either priceless or it's worthless. And you need to decide. And from then on, I have always held that in the back pocket. And so with my art, 
And it's interesting because I have decided like I either give a piece away because I want to, or I, what I can give away is my time. I love to speak and share and, and, and help others. So in the past, we've only lived here for three years. The first year was just a a wash because we had so much going on. But then last year, I was invited to teach at an elementary school and I taught for three days straight. Every single kid in that school learned how to draw a snowman with oil pastels. And I learned so much about kids and myself and the state of art at the elementary level was these kids are all learning how to do art by art on the cart and art on the cart is great. I'm so glad that people get to do these creative things, but the poor children get to see an example of what they're supposed to produce. And then they want to produce something that's identical to what was shown to them. And so there really isn't a lot of creativity to that. So those three days in telling you that, like I gave those three days away and I was exhausted by it, but it, I was so enriched. And then this year I was like cleaning out my studio and I'm like, okay, if I sell my paintings and I, I mark the prices down, who can I benefit? And I did some research and to be honest, it's the first time in my life that I really researched. And I said, who resonates with me, with what I am grateful for that's doing that in the community. And I found, um, the mountain star family relief nursery. And I looked into this, I'm like a relief nursery, like How cool is that? And so these people help and see, I'm getting the tingling again, which means this is the right like thing to say. They've been around for many years and they give support to younger families, uh, people that have been at risk and are clean now. But, you know, there's just, especially during COVID, I've been so grateful my children are fed and were housed and were warm. And all these children that get fed at school or are at risk at being at home with abusive parents. So this relief nursery allows people to drop their kids off for a couple hours and get a break. They can go grocery shopping. They can go for a hike. They can get the laundry done. Whatever it is that they're doing, they're leaving their child in a safe environment where they're getting, you know, one-on-one hand-to-eye, like connection with other adults and the parents come back and pick them up. So it's a relief. So two years ago, I did the snowman. This year I had a studio sale. that was for me wildly successful. And I was able to donate to this mountain star. So what I've learned is, is like my work is priceless and what I choose to give away is from my heart. But it's so much fun. It's enriching for me. That is the gift you give. Wow. I have goosebumps again. So uh, what am I doing to get it out there? Like, like I said earlier, like I'm trying to learn how to leverage the Instagram platform, the Facebook platform, and drive people to my website. And the, the website is the, I, I just came out with a new one, VanderleetFineArts.com. And Vanderleet is my maiden name. And ironically enough, my father's brother, who is 96 years old, was an amazing Dutch painter. Wow. I didn't even learn that till I was like, you know, probably in my, I mean, I never knew Uncle John painted. So it's probably in your gene pool. Yeah. Wow. Well, the fact that you want, I, I'm just, I, I love your, your quote. What I choose to give away is my heart. And that just says you paint with your heart. You're reading other people with your heart. There's no greater gift than that. I love that interpretation, Amy. It's really beautiful. You know, I, I would venture to say that anyone like you or myself as an entrepreneur you know, we have time, we have difficulty. Uh, My teacher said to me, she said, you know, the thing that I see in you is that, and I don't know what you know about meditation and the different brain waves and the alpha beta that she goes, she goes, you, excuse me. She goes, you fucking drop into theta for everybody, but yourself. She goes, how do you do that? She goes, you need to figure out how you do that and start doing it for yourself. And when you just did it for me, I saw that the, the role reverse and that, and that's helpful for me 
because it is hard as an artist, you know, when COVID started, I'm like, what, I'm supposed to tell people to buy my paintings? That seems so self-centric, like uh, uh, so selfish. But going back to your, they're either priceless or worthless. So, and, 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 you know, I just got this because priceless does not necessarily mean it's going to be some exorbitant cost. It's the fact that you value the gift you're giving to others in your painting. That is, that's braveful. That is what braveful is. Well, like I said, I've been walking around all week going, I don't know what she's going to ask me, but it's braveful. So what have I done that's braveful? You know what was rocking through my head? What was rocking through my head was like, I used to like literally beat the crap out of myself as an endurance athlete. I've done the Ironman. Oh my God, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I I qualified for the Hawaiian Ironman when I was 26 years old. And like the myriad of events since then and these endurance events that I've done. And I'm like, I used to think that that was braveful, but what it was, was I was, I was feeding my soul and I don't need that anymore as much that type of feeding. The braveful thing for me is saying, I am an artist. See me. Right. And see my authenticity. This is the authentic me. It has taken me, you know, X, Y, and Z time to get there, but I am here. Hear me now. See me now. This is, this is all of me. Um, and, and, you know, I, I interviewed um, an amazing business coach yesterday, Carly Fain, and she said this phrase, she goes, you know, there's selfless, there's selfish. She said, but women forget to be self-full. So when you are self-full, you bring all of yourself to, to something. You are, you're taking care of you first, and then that allows you to then be selfish and just kind of be me, me, me. And then it allows you to be selfless where you can help others, but you still have to fill yourself up first. And that's what I envision your art does for you. It fills you up first. It does. And, and I'd like to say that you're the gal that you spoke with. I, I, I know I might butcher this statement, but I remember saying, hearing this. And I think as a child in a big family where, you know, there was a lot of shuffling around and, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, the big, big cheese. And, you know, I learned to just be meek and I, I tried to appease others and make others happy. And, and, and carrying that into an adult life, I think my well was a little bit empty. And, and then you know, there were times when I was probably selfish during my athletics. I was like, this is for me. This is, but that's how I saw the best avenue to do it. And now I really realize, and here's the statement that I don't want to butcher, but it, it goes something like this, you know, in the cove, when the tide rises, all the boats rise. And so it's important to fill yourselves up first and there's a million, you know, analogies for put your ga- your face, you know, the oxygen mask on first. But the, the beautiful, the beautiful image that I that sticks with me is fill myself up first, so that that overflows onto others, so that it, I'm full, so I'm not depleting, I'm recharging all the time. Yep, you're spot on, spot on, and that's what I I envision your life has to be now that you're painting and you're doing your intuitive or your intuitive painting. I I just think that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Cause you are living the authentic you. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. And you know, I worked with a gal for a short period of time with my business and she said, when are you going to figure out? She goes, Pete, and I'm, I'm looking at my wall right now because I have it, you know, written down. People love you when you allow them to see you. Ooh. You know, that's true for every individual. Right. I agree. I mean, that is certainly not like exclusive to me or you. I mean, like when we feed our souls, when we develop ourselves, when we are authentic and and coming from a full heart, you know, life's not perfect. We have hardships, we have hard times. But when we when we nurture ourselves and we can allow others to be seen to see us, we are seen and they, that's, that's beauty. That's, that's life. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, isn't that, I think that's what we're all trying to do in this crazy world that we're living in. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, to say, to talk about not the specifics of the common time, but I think a lot of people, they emphasize being in service to others. And yet I think that you have to be in service when you are coming from a full tank. And I think there are people that are out there and I don't, I mean, they have no examples or no beefs with anybody about this, but they, they're so busy trying to be in service that they're drained from themselves. And so the, the temperature or the color or the bend of that service has more angst in it than it does love. Yeah, that's deep. <laughs> I know it's, it's not the lexicon for everybody. Not everybody. I mean, a lot of people want three steps to greater self-love. You know, it doesn't, it, it's, yeah, here's the, here's the chart. Just go do it. Right. And you can't do that. I think it's a, and how you feel this year will be different on how you feel potentially next year, because your journey may have changed in between that time frame. I, I think that's why people pick a different word every year, you know? So, you know, last year, my word for 2020 was restore. Who knew that the pandemic was going to come in and I'd have this opportunity to actually restore and take care of myself because I, you know, I, I couldn't go everywhere. I couldn't run around, couldn't be crazy. And this year, my word is connect. And I get to connect with beautiful people like you. I get to connect with others. So it's amazing how it changes from year to year. And I am so grateful for that change. I hear you. And I think that the fact that you happen to choose restore for 2020 is like, go figure. Right. I think it picked me. I think it chose me. I just... Yeah. Somewhere along the line, you know, my subconscious knew that's what I needed. The word growth was around for me last year. And you always have to be careful what you ask for <laughs> because growth, I was like growing by fire hose feeding and I had to decide what was the best method. And I had learned how to turn down that spigot. And so um, my word for 2021 is to soar, S-O-A-R, and it's to integrate what I've learned. Wow. So in a nutshell, what have you learned? That it isn't out there, it's in here. Ooh. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. If you ever go certain for your heart's content, just remember it was always there. Did you just watch that and you know that or you No, it's it's something that has stuck with me, you know, my whole life. Like you know, when you go searching for it out there, I think we're we're always I mean, I'm not talking about the adventures. I went on adventures everywhere, backpacking, mountains, you know, I mean, so many things and um it is so what I've learned is to slow down and to not take in everything that's offered. Wow. Yeah. The ability to say, no, not now, I think is you have to do that. Now I've got to go watch the Wizard of Oz again. <laughs> oh, it's at the very end. So I have to ask you as you, you know, as, as you're doing all of this wonderful stuff, what are three books that have impacted your life? Ooh, I wish I had had a little prep from that because I am a huge reader and I read I love to read. Or even this year. Okay. So I'm just going to think like what pops out at me. And I can't tell you why it was The Secret Life of Bees. I remember loving that. I read that years ago after my mother had passed. And I remember crying. And I, I mean, I just remember loving that book. It was so good. I really enjoy the books by, what is her name? Uh, I think it's Julia Cameron. The Artist's Way, the, and she's just come out with a listening path, which is, I think it's more, I actually have it right in front of me. It's, I think, just having just picked it up this week, it's a deeper dive into her three methods of the morning pages, artist dates, and artist walks. And um, so it's a deeper dive into that. I haven't done that in years. Which part? Morning pages? Yeah. You, yeah. Morning pages, I think, is a fascinating practice. I 
I'm not a person that has ever had anxiety. And during COVID, I've had a couple of nights where I've woken up in the middle of the night and I'm seriously thinking to myself, what's going on? Why am what, what, what is this angst I'm feeling? And I, it happened one night and I was awake for hours next to my husband trying not to move. And then the next time it happened, I actually quietly got up and I took out a notebook and just write this, wrote this rambling on and on and everything I was worried about or thinking about or, you know, wondering about blah, 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 blah. And like at the end of that, I was exhausted and went back to sleep. So it really is a true emptying of the conscious, subconscious of what's going on. Do you journal? I do. I do. I've been journaling since I was 12. Yes, absolutely. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I made the mistake of throwing out some journals from college. I wish I hadn't. Oh, so mine are all in a box and it's taped. And, you know, they always say you should never read them um, and that it's something you've written in the past and you let it go. And so I, I've never reread them ever. Oh, I think from an intuitive sense. So I'm going to go really woo woo on you here for okay, a second. Great. I okay. love woo woo. Okay. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yes and no. Okay. So he's a meditation and it's not a, it's not a right way or a wrong way. Anyway, he's just very science-based in talking about meditation. And that was where I really began to understand the real science of what meditation does. And then there's another gentleman who's written a couple books named Daniel Mangena. And what they talk about, if you really, Daniel talks about, do you really believe in infinite possibilities? And I remember like how I used to think about that. Well, yeah, I do. And then I would go, is that really true? Do I really believe in infinite possibilities? I have to stop you there. Oh my God. I don't know what you were doing in this conversation, Elizabeth, but my mother-in-law, who we always said mother in love, she created a center in Idaho called Center for um, Unlimited Possibilities. And I felt her presence literally like right here with me right now. I love this. Wow. Okay. I just, was she was she a was she a um was she a big woman like a tall woman that has shrunk at the end? Um, you know she she was never a big woman, but her her spirit, her essence when she was alive was very big, very ever present. Um, but she was yes, she was a smaller as she got older. Um, yeah, but she was never a. a a big woman, so to speak. She's always a petite. I feel like she's a big woman, not like a presence. That's why I said like, she's a big woman, but she shrunk. Like, I do feel as if she had a big presence. Yeah. So that's just like, wow. I'm like, holy cow. If you truly believe in infinite possibilities, then all the possibilities are out there. Okay. So I know that this is very, this is one of those lexicon discussions where it's so esoteric and you can't tangibly think about it or touch it. But if it's really, truly possible, then the truth is, is that we learn to tune our radio signal to the possibility of what we want. And we will attract that to us. And it's the practice of that, that every individual needs to develop for herself. And so when I said about the year 2020 and learning to say no, I realized that it was like, you know, the old car radios when you would tune in and go, you know, like I had to tune in and stop running back the course of the radio stations to see what I was going to find. And I've had to, to identify that which I want to attract. And I know that sounds really simple. And a lot of the terminology in this stuff is repetitive and people go, oh yeah, I know, I get it. I get it. But I've really slowed down to feel it and embrace it in my own life. And it's helped. And that's so... 3D human life, but yeah, it has helped. And and I think that's what COVID has done, quite honestly. I think it has caused us to slow down and to reevaluate, you know, inside, outside of, of what is important to us. 
Oh, oh, I, I, I agree with you. And I agree it's happened across the board and there's polarity, but sometimes when you understand the polarities, there's, there's no difference. People are seeking it, whatever that is, the peace or the connection, and people do it differently. And I think there has to be space and room for people to be who they are. But there, I mean, there is a lot of anger. Like I talked, I had to get a blood draw this morning. And so I got up and I went to the woman. And like I said, we woke up to eight inches of snow and the woman drove in from Redmond and it's about a 20, 25 minute drive. And today it was an hour. And she said, well, thank God people were going slowly. I said, I said, it's kind of a no brainer, like wear a mask, be kind and drive slower when the roads are icy. <laughs> it's like, just do it. Check, check and check. Check. Yeah. You would think, yeah, uh, if only it was that simple, I guess, but I totally agree with that statement, but yeah. Oh my God, this has been a delight. <laughs> I feel the same way. Talk to you. This is why I don't give out a lot of information and because and, and, I, I just want it to be a conversation that allows you to be authentic and not follow a script because I, I think... Um, that to me is just more powerful than giving you a bunch of questions to answer. It's a, it, this is so, this has been just so filling of my cup. Um, and the fact that I turned the camera on and you have tulips there, I'm telling you, I've never felt um, perfect time, perfect moment, perfect place in a long time. This has been perfect time, perfect, perfect place, perfect everything. Well, I can't thank you enough. It's been, I mean, it's fun to get to know you and I hope that we connect a little bit more. Well, and again, you know, when I think about Braveful, you being authentic and doing what you love is about as Braveful as it gets. Well, that's, I kept walking around going, yeah, I know I did the Ironman, but you know, this is way harder. <laughs> what I'm doing now. Well, that's because now it, it, it encompasses, you know, mind, body, soul, you know, and I think, you know, physical, I, I can't imagine doing the Ironman. I mean, I was lucky enough to run a marathon and that was about all I could do. Yeah, I will make sure people come and, and, and visit your website. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. You do the same. We'll stay in touch. Okay. Thank you so much, Amy. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today. I don't know about you, but I sure am grateful for the opportunity to listen and learn from such great women. So if you enjoyed yourself as much as I did, please feel free to share Braveful podcast with your friends and colleagues, as well as please subscribe to Braveful on your favorite podcast apps. Have the best day ever. And until next time, be Braveful.